Hello, and before we get started with this week's episode of Rising as One Podcast, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising, the Beautiful Game Network, and Oral Brewing Company. You can check out Firebird Rising on the web at firebirdrising.corair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, the Beautiful Game Network at bgn.fm, and Oral Brewing Company is located in downtown Mesa, so if you're out in the East Valley, go check them out, and remember to use the code word RISING after any Phoenix Rising win for happy hour pricing. We would also like to thank our listeners for the continued support. If you enjoy this podcast, please do us a favor and leave us some feedback on iTunes or drop us a line on Twitter at RisingPod. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Rising as One Podcast. Phoenix Rising continues in their winning ways with a 4-3 win on Wednesday and a 2-0 victory last night against RGV. Josh Cohen picked up yet another clean sheet and he is a candidate for Player of the Month on USL. So the vote will be over by the time this podcast is released, but we're going to go ahead and tweet out right now to remind everybody to go give Josh a vote. He needs all the, all the support he can get to be Player of the Month for USL. Phoenix Rising is now currently tied for fourth place as we head into the final match of the season. We're going to go ahead and review the two matches this past week against Tulsa and RGV and preview our upcoming last match next Saturday. We'll also discuss scores and standings around the league, other soccer news from the U.S. men's national team to MLS expansion news. I'm your co-host Matt Trainer, joined here today by Jeff Went and Dominic Kearns. Guys, how's it going? Uh, going real good. It's a, another great day to be a Phoenix Rising fan, especially as we come down the stretch here and head to the playoff run. Uh, Dominic, two great wins this past week. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the one on Wednesday is going to stay in my head for a long time. Um, you know, the most exciting soccer game I've ever seen. I can say that in person, I should say. But I can say that with a straight face uh, just because of the ups and downs in that match especially with six goals in the first 30 minutes and then to get three points from that and then our defense responds beautifully on Saturday and it's it's a good time to be a rising fan unfortunately we just aren't getting much help from results around the league so it's looking unlikely for us to host a match come playoff time but still great time to support the boys and we got one match left yeah, no, that, that match was awesome on Wednesday. It was uh, definitely a shootout that was uh, very energetic, uh, especially for a Wednesday night match too. So that was, that was pretty awesome. So let's go ahead and, uh, since we have a lot to talk about this episode, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and take us into the match highlight against Tulsa on Wednesday? Yep, yep. let's get into Wednesday's game. Uh, obviously, like like both of uh, you guys have talked about early, one of the more energetic, entertaining matches of the year. Uh especially, you know, for the first 30 minutes, and not even that, even the first 15 minutes, if you really look at it. Uh, you know, seeing Didier Drogba, you know, coming out for for his first appearance in, in a couple of months, obviously a big shot in the arm to the boys. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously he was making his way felt early. Uh, second minute, he gets a, a ball from Sean Wright Phillips. His header goes just wide. He gets a, you know, Drogba gets a free kick in the sixth minute. It goes a little too high. Um, but then the fun really started beginning in the 12th minute. 
uh, a goal from Revis. Uh, got Tulsa going early. Uh, you know, a nice, a nice slotted goal and gives them a one nothing lead right off the bat. And then two minutes later, uh, Juan Pablo Caffa comes on and 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 hits a beautiful, beautiful goal. Uh, to make it two nothing Tulsa within 14 minutes, and you're you're looking and going, guys, wait, what what we what are we seeing here? But credit the boys once again for the resolve that they have coming back and turning it around. Uh, two minutes later, Didier Drogba finds the back of a net on a nice you know ball in from Amadou Dia over the top, and 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 Drogba heads it in for the goal to make it two to one, and then. Three, just three minutes later, Jason Johnson finds the back of the net from a great ball from Amadou Dia. Uh, you know, Amadou is really finding his niche now on that left-hand uh, attacking midfield side, and it's going to be really interesting, uh, you know, as we go down the stretch. You know, how how does Amadou Dia get used when it, when it comes to the playoffs? Do you leave him out there? Do you slot him back in the left back where, he, where he's been for a while? Do you play him where he's been playing now? Uh you know, it'll be interesting to see with this last game coming up how how he's going to get used. You know, and then, you know, another great play by Amadou Dia in the twenty third. He he draws the penalty. I mean, you you couldn't you couldn't draw that up any better the way he drew it. I mean, right in the box and slows down, and the guy just plows right through his back. Drogba steps up, and it's three two. All of a sudden, you're going, holy cow! What a what a first twenty five minutes. You know, and then Tier Jung comes back for for Tulsa and ties it three three in the thirtieth minute, and you're just thinking, is this is this ever going to stop? You know, I mean, just unbelievable play from both teams, and and to get into the half, I guess to get into the half three three guys was just you know amazing in itself. The way the first fifteen twenty minutes opened up, you're thinking this is going to be a blowout loss, and then all of a sudden it turns around and it's in Phoenix's favor. I mean, you guys were there Wednesday night. I mean, talk about the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Phoenix scored, what, three goals in within eight minutes, I think it was. Um, I mean, that that's something we haven't seen so far this season. And it was uh, a good response after going down 2-0 so quickly, and you know, up to the 14th minute, down 2-0. And to respond like that, I, I think that just showed how how strong our team is and, you know, overcame the, that issue and uh, then just kind of had a shootout from there so i thought it was pretty awesome though yeah the uh the atmosphere is pretty good especially considering it's a wednesday night it's possible that the one dollar beer night may have helped with that but you know tulsa that second goal i mean both their goals are pretty good in the early going but that one pablo kaffa goal you've got to check that one out because that needs to be a goal of the week nominee and very possibly the goal of the week, because he hit that sweet left-footed shot from 20 yards out. Actually, it was probably more like 25 yards out, and it just curled it into the top left corner. Nothing Cohen could have done there. And you're thinking, okay, I guess we're just going to be blown out. Uh, but thankfully, we have Jason Johnson, who's in fine form, and Didier Drogba, who's back. Um, and this is... This is another one of those matches where you see the Didier drift difference in action. He just won't let us lay down and be beaten easily. Gets in the right place on uh, Amadou Dia's cross and gets the ball into the net. And then takes that penalty 
so coolly. It always scares me to death when guys take the short run up on a PK like that. But he just drills it low, had the keeper going the wrong way. You don't tell the artist how to draw, all right? You just let the artist do his work. He's going to do the slow run up. Go for it, man. If you can hit PKs in a Champions League final, you can hit a PK for us. And uh, he did pretty wild first half. Yep. That it was a pretty wild first half and and kind of carried over a little bit into the start of the second half. I mean, you know, Drogba, you know, stays on the front foot. Nice free kick in the 59th minute that Serta had to make a save. Uh, nice little outside foot shot a minute later that just goes wide. I mean, you know, you can tell Didier is having fun at this point. I mean, it, it's not a matter of... Uh, you know his his eff- you know the effort that he's putting forth that you could just see and you know as he's continuing on in this match that he's having fun and he's enjoying things. Um, I think he would have been coming off right there at the beginning of the second half had it not been for SWP getting hurt because uh, uh, he, he he picked up a little something even though he, even though he came back Saturday. Awako came on in the 60th minute after the game. It was interesting that Carterone and Drogba both said that he wasn't planning on going 90, that the injuries kind of changed things around a little bit. So, which is, which is good. You know, it's good to see him get a full 90 minutes because he obviously needed that before we got to the playoffs. But you talked about uh, uh, Juan Pablo Cafa's goal being a possible goal of the week candidate. How about the goal of the week candidate in the 66th minute from Jason Johnson? How do you score from that impossible angle and nutmeg the goalkeeper? It's just totally unbelievable how he gets the ball down on that end line and, and puts it between his legs. That, it just unbelievable how he did that. Gives him, you know, gives him his 12th goal of the season. Uh, Jason Johnson just on fire at this point. I mean, ever, we've talked about this a number of times and Jason's talked about this a number of times, you know, in interviews that we've done with him, you know, after games. That game in Reno that you go back to, you know, in July, that he just had a, a poor 45-minute outing and, and Patrice pulled him out of that match. Ever since that match, Jason Johnson has turned himself into a completely different player and has taken whatever message Patrice Carteron gave to him and has just run with it ever since. And, it's you know, it's great to see, and obviously, hopefully, it's going to parlay him into something bigger, you know, after this year, hopefully. Yeah, and you know, maybe to take a tiny bit of a the the shine away from that second goal. It's incredible that he keeps the ball, that he gets by the defenders the way he did. As a keeper, you got to cover the near post better than that. You can't let yourself get nutmegged. And I know that that's a surprise shot, but you got to do better. And I'm I'm talking like, come on, you, you just got to put your leg down there if they're gonna beat you near post, make them beat you high, but. You know, what it really shows to me is that Jason Johnson has the confidence to take that shot from a tight angle. And you saw it, we'll get to Saturday's game, you saw again that he worked from pretty tight angles and created some fantastic chances. It just shows that he has confidence that very few people in USL can match right now. And I'm with you, Jeff. I think it's a matter of, you know, if, or when, not if, Johnson gets an opportunity at the MLS level, um... 
if you're a low-scoring team in MLS right now, if you're LA Galaxy, if you're a Minnesota United, you know, looking out east, maybe a New England Revs, if you're one of those teams and you can't get a marquee name in the offseason, even if you can, I, I just, it seems crazy that Johnson wouldn't get a tryout uh, come next spring, but we just need to enjoy what he's done for us, and who knows, maybe we'll get the MLS announcement and he'll decide to stay, but I mean, that guy, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to be on to bigger and better things. Yeah, definitely. And we were kind of talking about that before the podcast too. And as if, uh, you know, when he, when he does move on to bigger and better things, um, you know, hopefully if he does go to another team, maybe Phoenix can work out a loan deal so we can get him back if we do get that MLS expansion, because that's definitely a guy we want on our roster for the upcoming years. Cause he's, he's playing really, really well. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you know, we run, you know, run a play continues, you know, later in the second half, I mean, Gladson Waco is a nice shot that's saved by Serta. Uh, Didier Drogba had another shot at a free kick in the 83rd. Amadou Dia had a shot that uh, that that deflected, and Serta had to make another great save on it. But all in all, to close out that match 4-3 and get the three points there, that was obviously – it was not as necessarily a big three points for us as it was three points or even two points lost for Tulsa as that kind of – propelled them down the standings as they were trying trying to fight to get to to sixth place you know they could be looking at either six or seven when we get to the the standings later on but obviously you know an effort there you know would have given them a chance at even uh, bigger things as they head to the playoffs as well but to close out four three uh you know a huge three points obviously for phoenix you know as we look at their standing and where they're headed and where they're trying to get to as well so with that, then we'll move into uh, Saturday's match against uh, Rio Grande Valley. Obviously, you know, a couple of changes in the starting lineup. You know, you had you had Sean Wright Phillips. It started on Wednesday, went to the bench for Saturday's match with Gladson Walker. They switched spots, basically. Jason Johnson came into the starting lineup uh, for, Al, you know, for Alessandro Rigi. Uh, Dia stayed on his left-hand side there. Uh, Drogba stayed up top. So, you know, a couple other changes in the back. You saw uh, Peter Ramage get back in the lineup for the first time in a little bit as, you know, he's been fighting injury. Jordan Gibbons gets a shot at right back, you know, in place of Cody Wakasa. Obviously, you know, Patrice is trying to find that right uh, group of guys that he's going to go with as you go into the playoffs and wanting to see these guys play in these last couple of matches. You know, uh, like, like Patrice said, your next game is your biggest game. So, obviously, you know, Saturday's game meant huge to him. So, you know, right off the bat, just seemed like the guys were a little flat. And, and Patrice mentioned that in his post-game comments. And we'll talk, you know, we'll, we'll, you'll hear those shortly. But obviously, you know, when you got uh, a Green coming right off the bat third minute and Josh Cohen having to make a, a decent save early to get himself into the match, uh, obviously, you know, you could kind of tell that, even though RGV was out of the playoff race, they were really they were really pushing this match. I mean, they were really giving uh, Phoenix Rising fits at times, and, and you could kind of see that. Uh, just, you know, struggling in the midfield, trying to get, you know, balls through, and, and, and Phoenix couldn't do that at times. Uh, you know, they got the ball out wide, which was great, and they had plenty of space out wide, that which was great. But, you know, a lot of times you could not find that ball 
going in from the outside into the middle like Phoenix Rising loves to do with those balls. It just couldn't find stuff in the middle to make things work uh, for the most part. Um, Matt Watson had a nice through ball in the 14th minute uh, to Jason Johnson, and, and Brown had to make a good save on that. Uh, uh, Drogba, I thought, with, with a nifty turn right there in front of the, the supporters group there in the first half and and, and almost uh, set up Johnson there. Uh, Johnson had a curler uh, in the 27th go just wide, and then the big goal in the 34th minute. Johnson, nasty moves uh, to, to, to beat the defender. Uh, a solid ripped shot that got past uh, Kaye uh, Brown to give uh, Phoenix Rising the one nothing lead. And just, uh, you know, at that point, you kind of felt the collective air let out of the fans. Okay, we got the goal finally to give us the lead. And now we can breathe a little bit easier, being that we didn't have quite the effort we wanted to in the first half. I mean, obviously going into the half at one nothing lead was good. Obviously, the run of play was not quite as good as I think was what Phoenix Rising wanted, but to you know at least to get to one nothing at halftime was obviously a positive. That's interesting, because the first fifteen minutes, I'll admit, we were kind of on our back foot. RGV had a couple chances, but I think after the first fifteen minutes, maybe the possession didn't bear it out. But I think we pretty clearly had the better chances, you know, starting with. A couple through balls that we couldn't quite put through in the back of the net. Jason Johnson was getting increasingly active. The 27th minute where he almost curled the ball in from a tight angle. And so, by the time we go ahead 1-0, I mean, clearly that's a moment of individual magic. And clearly that's a moment where, as we were just saying, Jason Johnson has supreme confidence to be able to get by his defenders the way he did and drill that ball in. Um... But I think Phoenix was pretty good value for the 1-0 at halftime. The way we played in the last 30 minutes of that half. Yes, they had the ball in our zone several times, but I don't think there were any moments where you really were holding your breath saying, oh my goodness, are they about to score right now? There were not clear-cut chances like that. So, you know, was it an ideal first-half performance? No. But I think after the first 15, we settled pretty well, and... I don't have any real issues with the way that half went. So, yeah, and I kind of agree with both of what you guys said there. You know, it seemed like maybe the first 15, 20 minutes or so, um, you know, RGV kind of controlled controlled the ball, but didn't really make too many, you know, great opportunities out of that. So, wasn't as worried uh, this first half as I was, say, Wednesday's match in the first few minutes. So, um, but that Phoenix definitely. Uh, was picking up some some steam there and kind of got things moving there towards the end of the first half. So it uh, wasn't wasn't too concerning for me this this weekend. Yeah. So we get into uh, the second half of play. Uh, you know, kind of a lot more of what we saw towards the end of that first half. Uh, Matt Watson has a nice run. Brown makes a great save. Uh, Drogba gets the ball to Johnson, who hits it and. Brown makes another great save. You know that, that was a good that was a good set of possession there, right there, because they had, they had moved the ball really well. You know, and to see Matt Watson get himself involved in the offense was good to see. You know, especially from his holding mid position. You know, good shot, good save. You know, able to you know corral the rebound and be able to get a second attempt out of it was a great thing to see. Um, you know, so you know, good to see that all around that, that the effort was still there. 
you know, being up one nothing. Um, then we saw Gladson Awako come on for, or we saw SWP come on for Gladson Awako, kind of you know in the similar role that they played Wednesday with you know with the guys swapping out that way. And then seventy um, fifth minute, Didier Drogba lines up a free kick, hits it, goes off of uh, Kaye Brown's hands and dribbles into the back of the net. Uh, we hate the Okta stats people right now because for whatever reason. The Okta people like to give that as an own goal to Kaye Brown. Uh, we disagree with that completely. Um, he never had control of the ball. So to us, that's Didier Drogba's goal. I don't care what anybody else says, but 2 nothing lead. I, I don't even, yeah, I don't even know how you call that uh, own goal because Drogba put a shot on target and the keeper you know, couldn't quite make the save. But this isn't a back pass that goes into your own net. This isn't, you know, the keeper taking a touch and just missing on the ball and then it ends up in the net. I mean, it was a shot on target. The keeper couldn't deal with it. And I think a bigger howler, for example, was 2010 World Cup when Clint Dempsey hit a little roller, basically a pass, to the goalie and the goalie let it go through his hands in the goal. That's not an own goal. Even if everyone in the universe knows that it was the goalie's fault, it's still the guy that shot the ball that gets credit with the goal. So, yeah, I, I don't know what they have against Drogba on that one. That's a goal for Drogba. But either way, it counts on the scoreboard, so we can't be too upset. So a couple of more changes as you saw late in the match. You saw uh, Alessandro Rigi come on in the 76th for Amadou Dia. You saw Chris Cortez come on 82nd minute for Didier Drogba. Uh, good to see Drogba get a couple of good runs out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see you know if he plays next Saturday against Portland. I would highly doubt that we would see him next Saturday just to save him for the playoffs, I would think. But, uh, you know, a good, good run for Drogba these last two matches. And then Josh Cohen obviously had to come up with a big save right there uh, at the 89th minute. Uh, you know, parries the ball away. You know, he doesn't make that. He doesn't get another clean sheet. And, uh, you know, Phoenix runs it out 2 nothing, and, a, you know, another huge three points to put on the board. And Guys, how did, how did we miss the predictions? We're now at 55 points. <laughs> And we've we've all missed I think it. I was, yeah, I think I was at fifty four, but uh, yeah, even even that was a little low, I guess, huh? Who would have thought? If we would have said fifty five or fifty eight points, we probably would have thought we were crazy then, right? <laughs> well, we were down on thirty at the time, so <laughs> and and that time wasn't too long ago. That was like less than two months ago in August. So, uh, yeah, pretty wild what's happened the last couple months. I yeah, think I had been. 51, Jeff, you had 52, Matt, you had 54. There was someone on our, on our, you know, back when we posed this question, there was someone that had 44. And I'm like, what? And he's like, <laughs> I'm just being realistic here. I'm like, I'm being realistic here too. We have a lot of home matches against bad teams. Uh, maybe none of us were realistic enough because here we are at, Probably going to end at 58 and still finish in fifth. I don't understand how that happens, but that's another discussion that we'll get to later. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we get to that point either, but uh, quite interesting. Uh, well, before we move on to the Portland match, uh, 
Here are the post-game comments from Saturday's match from Patrice Carterone, from uh, defenders Victor Vasquez and Rob Ramage. Or Peter Ramage, I'm sorry. Obviously another solid effort to get three huge points out of this match. Yeah, very hard game for us today. Uh, in terms of intensity, it was uh, very poor uh, during all the game. We could feel that it was the last game, uh, the seventh game after in 21 days. And uh, I'm just happy about what we did, uh, six uh, game won and just one, uh, one game lost away. But the attitude of, and the spirit of the boy uh, was fantastic. Very hard, uh, very hard because we could feel that uh, the intensity for most of the players was not that good today. Some of them were getting tired after all those games and some of them were not really ready uh, in terms of intensity. So I'm just happy about the result right now and uh, it was important also for us to, uh, after the first goal uh, conceded in two games, I really want us uh, defensively to have uh, our spirit back. The back four was uh, a little bit tense uh, in, in first half but much better in second half. Josh was fantastic once again. So I'm just happy about uh, this uh, New game one. Do you start to move into a mode now where it's resting the players and getting them more fit as you get ready for the playoffs, or is it more of trying to keep the intensity up with these guys and have them continue to fight for spots as, as you head into the, the postseason? No, honestly, right now everything will, uh, will change, you know, uh, because we have uh, only one game before the playoffs, so at first I want, I want all of them to rest and to think. Uh, about uh, everything uh, but football for for two three days they really deserve to rest and then starting from uh, Wednesday we're gonna start to uh, prepare seriously this uh, this playoff game and uh, I think that uh, the game of Portland will be for me the way to, to prepare the team uh, uh, for the playoff of course so starting from now I think everything will be different because we I, I knew that we had uh, many games to play every three days and he did most of the player, but right now we must be ready and uh, we're going to have a special uh, preparation for the for the playoff game. Obviously another great effort from Jason Johnson out on the field. What did you see from him again tonight? Jason is uh, a fantastic player. He has, uh, he has a great potential after, you know, he, need, uh, he needed to work. He needed to have uh, maybe more confidence also and uh, step by step he... He's just becoming uh, an amazing player every time he's on the field. He's so powerful. Uh, he's scoring goals, and we are so happy to have him uh, with us. That's, uh, that was nice tonight once again. You go back to the beginning from when you came here, the defensive struggles this team has had to where they're at now. Where do you feel the team is at in that progression? Um, as I said to the player, you know, we mustn't lose. What was uh, the more important point for me, it, it was to progress defensively. What I'm really happy about now for many weeks is that offensively we have now also very good potential. We, we feel that uh, even when it's not a good day like today, we have the feeling that any moment we can score and we have many players who can score. So I'm happy about the way we are playing right now, about the potential of the team. That's why for me the, the work now will be uh, really the, the preparation of the playoff game. Obviously, it seems like there's a fight back there amongst those players wanting to play on that back line. Obviously, tonight it was Jordan Gibbons, and normally you see yeah. Cody Wakasa on that side. You know, Victor Vasquez and, and Amadou Dia, and then obviously Mala fit in the center. Obviously, you have a lot of options now you can work with as, as you get to the end here. Exactly, and you know, uh, during the two, as I just said, defensively, I was not happy about uh, our attitude in the two last game. Five goals conceded, so 
I also needed to test before decided uh, what will be the defense for the playoff. I needed to test uh, Gibbons once again. I needed to uh, to test Joran and Peter together. That will uh, help me to have as many information as possible and to decide what is the best for, thanks, for right. the next game. All right, thanks, coach. Thank you. Good, good. Talk about this effort of the defensive unit these last few weeks. Obviously, a lot of clean sheets. A lot, lot of good work amongst you guys. Yeah, it's not just the defense, it's everybody. You know, we made a, a conscious or conscious look at what we were doing over the, the you know, the early part of what, when Patrice came in and defense was a problem. You know, we can't keep clean sheets and you don't win many games. And, you know, with a lot of hard work, both uh, on and off the pitch, you know, we've looked at video and footage of our games and starting to see what uh, we can do right or put things right. And, you know, it's, it's a collective effort. It's not just a back four. It's, it's done well, you know, up to Didier up top. And we work his socks off to make sure that we get the clean sheet because we know we've got goals in the team. And if we keep it clean at the back, then we know we'll, uh, we can create chances for them to try and score. Obviously, you had, you had some struggles with some injuries through, you know, throughout parts of the season here. You know, Mala comes in, steps in. You have Dia who moves from the left back and moves out into the midfield. You have Jordan Gibbs and Cody Wakasa on the right-hand side. Talk about how you guys work so well together as a unit back there, no matter who's meshed in that group together. It's like I just said, working hard on the training pitch, you know. it's Throughout the season, Patrice has been able to, to call upon the whole squad. And when that person's come in, they've done the job. Um, you know, we've got, there's a lot of competition for places. And that's healthy for, for the group. It's healthy for Patrice. He knows that if somebody's struggling, you know, like you said, injuries, suspensions, loss of form, whatever, that he's got somebody, a guy that can come in and do, you know, just the same, uh, the same job, work hard for the team, and put performance that's not going to affect the the overall team performance, which is, you know, the key to, to successful teams. Diddy will tell you, Sean will tell you, Jordan will tell you, you know, the guys who have been, you know, on teams that have won championships and won leagues, and that, that's that's what's important to have a whole squad effort, but everybody uh, reading off the same page. And obviously it helps to have a strong keeper in the back as well, and Josh Cohen. Yeah, but I mean, again. You got Carl came in and done really well. You know we've got competition all over the place, and yeah, Josh has been absolutely fantastic. Um, he's, it's reassuring to have somebody like him behind us. You know, like this, like you've seen tonight, the last minute he makes a save and we keep a clean sheet. And you know when he's called upon, he's he's made big saves as is Carl when he's played. Obviously, it's tough to, to keep the intensity up for a game that doesn't have a, a whole lot of meaning next week necessarily. But obviously, you've got to keep the mentality up as you go ahead and into the playoffs. Next week is the most important game of the season because it's the game before the playoffs. We can't we can't relax and just think it's a no, it's a it's a nothing game. We've got to go in that as if it's a cup final. Because if you go in relax, you know you might get pick up an injury or uh, get beat, and you know confidence is low. So now we'll be. I'll be emphasising it, I'm sure Diddy will, and certainly I know the coach will be emphasising that next week's the most important game of the season. Um, it always is. We'll be you know, preparing right for it this week and uh, taking it seriously. Alright, sounds Cheers. good. Talk about uh, the effort of this back line in the last few weeks. Obviously you guys have been really strong, lots of, lots of clean sheets. What has Patrice been telling you guys lately? Uh, he's just been telling us to come out strong, uh, stay mentally focused every single play. The first 15 minutes is the most important of the game, so we got to come out and make sure that our opponent feels us. So that's what he's been telling us to do. Obviously, you've, you've been sharing a lot of time with Amadou Dia as of recent, uh, you know, and that now he's he's moved back up into the midfield and you're playing in the back. What has been your focus as trying to get back into that lineup as Amadou was playing in the back there? Uh, I mean, it's every day is a competition, you know. 
So I, I, every one of our players is good. So I just go out every day and just put in the work and then just stay mentally focused. And, and you know, we got the opportunity to play together and we've been doing great together. So that's all I've been doing. Talk about the, the transition. Obviously, you know, you start the season you start the season with Frank, and then obviously Patrice comes in and gets things settled down. What has been the biggest difference in Patrice's style getting you guys to where you, you're at now? Uh, to be honest, I mean, he came in and it was a little difficult because he didn't know everybody. But as he uh, started to establish what he wanted to do, uh, like we say in the locker room, we he put a blueprint out and we stick to the blueprint every single day, every single game. How do you fight now for that time as you get down to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs now? How do you fight for that spot, you know, in the back there? Uh, just keep working hard. I mean, every day is a got to go out there and work hard every day, you know. Just keep getting my effort, and then hopefully, I mean, everything falls into place. And there's the comments of Patrice Carterone and Victor Vasquez and Peter Ramage. Obviously, some great comments, guys, there from them just talking about how healthy the competition is amongst everybody on that roster. Um, you know, one of the other guys we talked to that we didn't play comments from last night, Matt Watson, calls this one of his favorite, one of his most favorite teams just because there are no real, as he puts it, clicks on the roster. You know, everybody's all big one family and that, you know, nobody's vying to be the star of this team. You know, it's everybody's together for the same goal. They're all on this, you know. They're all on the same page together, and that's something great to hear when you hear that from from somebody like Matt Watson to say that that you know to feel like this team is, you know, it feels like family is, you know, that, that gives you a good feeling, especially as you finish the season out, you head to the playoffs, and you know you've got a good run, you know, in front of you. Yeah, and you can clearly see that too during the matches when Phoenix Rising scores a goal. The whole team is just beyond excited. There's nobody who's kind of just casual about it. They come together as a team and celebrate. So there's definitely a lot of cohesion there, and it's it's great. Yep. I mean, even guys on the bench come to celebrate on the regular after uh, rising goals. So good to see that everyone's on the same page. And, uh, you know, fantastic to hear that from Matt Watson, who has been, I think, one of the unsung heroes of our season. I would totally agree with you on that comment. I mean, you know, Matt Watson, you know, he, he had some struggles at one point where he, he had a couple injuries he had picked up, but found his way back on the field. Um, you know, even even when you talk about the additions of Kevon Lambert and uh, Sam Hamilton when they come into the lineup, Matt Watson's still fighting for a spot, you know. But, you know, great to see him back on the field. Great to see the things that he's doing because, obviously, he's making a huge difference in that you know, holding midfield position. No argument from us. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention too was uh, having Jordan Stewart back in the lineup on Saturday. I think he made a made a pretty big difference. Um, you know, and I kind of was wondering if the the match on Wednesday uh, would it have panned out the same way if Jordan Stewart was there. I don't know. I I think he plays a pretty big role uh, in that back line. Um, so I I think he you know I think he had a pretty big impact last night on that two nil win. So. Uh, he's been pretty solid for us ever since he came back from his injury. So hopefully they all continue playing in that, that form, you know? I don't think you can fault too much, you know, with Wednesday's result. I mean, there really wasn't a whole lot that the back line could really do about some of those plays. So I don't, you yeah. know, as far as whether Jordan would have made a difference, I don't necessarily think it would have made too much of a difference in that match. But 
to be honest to, to your opinion, um, I think Jordan Stewart is huge in that center center midfield. I mean, I think having him and Peter Ramage there is just you know oh, I solid. I think they yeah. have been solid all year long, and you know I as much as you'd love to see Duigi Mala you know playing back there, I think obviously at this point it, you've got to stick with Ramage and Stewart if you're going to make a difference down the stretch. Yeah, and I and I don't want to discredit Mala either. He's he's played very well the past few weeks too when he has been in there. So um, yeah, well said. I agree there. All right, so I think uh, with that being said, I think this is going to uh, go ahead and take us into some other scores around the league this week. Jeff and Dominic, do you want to go ahead and take us into some highlights? I think we ought to uh, preview the Timbers 2 match first. Oh, getting ahead of myself uh, here, sorry. <laughs> getting I ju- I getting just already into I just don't want I don't and... want the season to end, so I don't want to talk about it, you know? That's kind of... <laughs> That's super fair, and we are playing the worst team in USL, a team that is sitting on 15 points right now. But... Anyone that saw the last match we played against Portland knows that they have some guys that can give us issues. Uh, They have some guys that can at least keep the score respectable. And it's going to depend a lot on what kind of roster they send down. If they bring a couple MLS guys with them, it could be a tough match. But, I mean, here's a fun stat. Of their three wins this season, two of them have come away. So... That's just something to keep your eye on, I suppose. But, yeah, I, I, I don't even know how much we need to go into player breakdowns. I mean, this is this is just a match that, on paper, we should be favored in by multiple goals. And, you know, and on top of it, you know, Portland's going to be coming in off of three days rest as well, having to play a midweek match against San Antonio, which obviously is going to be huge, you know, for Phoenix Rising fans to keep an eye on as well. Uh you know, if, if Phoenix is looking at a top four position in the playoffs, that's going to be a key game to be watching on Wednesday night coming up this week. Some pretty damning stats for Timbers, too. Victor Arboleda is their leading goal scorer with only four goals on the season. Um, and then for assists, three players are tied for the lead in assists with only two apiece. Um, that's just... You know, if you're talking about a full season, that's pretty wild. And clearly not going to be good enough. Kendall McIntosh might be able to keep them in the game. He has had some strong performances, but, uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be up against it. Well, I thought Kendall Kendall had a great performance, you know, a couple weeks ago when we played up there in Portland. I mean, I thought Kendall made some great saves on some balls, especially a couple of balls on uh, Jason Johnson that that – could have led him to more goals in that match but I you know I think the way that they played that Portland match was was just perfect coming off of you know a a Sunday match where they had just played in uh, Vancouver and and traveled back to Portland so I mean you know I, I know Patrice probably didn't put out the best lineup he could have put out there you know but to get the you know the result that he did at that point you know which was the the third game of the trip and was fourth game in in 14 days I mean you know it was just you know it it was a good effort that the boys have put out then and I don't doubt that they'll put out the same effort come Saturday night yeah and I was just gonna kind of just go off of uh, Dominic's topic there about it depends you know what lineup Portland comes in with um just to kind of note here yeah we had the two two nil win against them the other week but they also had a draw against uh, uh real monarchs so you know, we can't can't sleep on them. You got to make sure, you know, we don't just get complacent with them. Um, 
that that was kind of my only discussion there about that about the timbers too you know and and the other thing you got to think about too is obviously a lot of what will happen saturday could also depend on what happens in the middle of the week too with with the matches coming up because obviously if san antonio wins and if swope and if swope park wins later today as we're taping this podcast um Obviously, Phoenix has absolutely nothing to play for on Saturday night, and at that point, you may see a different roster come out. So, I think I think the way results play out in the next few days will also depend on on the the type of lineup that Patrice Carterone is going to run out there on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, and it will. Uh, I'm looking here at the schedule, just kind of like you're saying here, looking at the times of the games next Saturday, and uh, I think going into Saturday's match against Portland, we'll pretty much know if we have that opportunity for fourth or not. So that'll be, it'll be interesting either way. I think we'll be okay. We have, we have plenty of roster depth. If, even if we do have a completely different lineup against uh, Portland. Yep. I totally agree with you there. All right. So that's our preview for Saturday's match against Portland. Now we're going to go ahead and get into the scores around the league from this week. So uh, Jeff and Dominic, do you want to go ahead and take us into some highlights there? Yep, let's get into the scores for Week 29 of the USL season here. Um, on Wednesday night, uh, Tampa Bay beat New York 3-2, to and in an interesting result in the West, it was Orange County 3, Sacramento 1. It was goals by Pacheco, Van, Van Awyke, and Stavanovic that gave Orange County, at the time, three huge points, which would have got them up towards the playoff race. Uh, Sacramento struggling again, uh, you know, trying to find their form. And, and coming down the stretch, they're having some tough times themselves. And that momentarily kept Orange County's hopes alive. Um, but as we see on Saturday, things did not go as well for them. That is correct. Uh, Friday, Bethlehem had a 4-2 win over Toronto on Saturday. Uh, games in the East, it was Charleston 4, Harrisburg nothing. It was Rochester 2, Pittsburgh nothing. It was Louisville 2, Charlotte 1. Uh, it was Richmond one, St. Louis nothing, and uh, Dominic. Let's let's delve into this one a little bit. Uh, New York Red Bulls two six, Orlando City B five. Um, a tough effort for Orlando because that could put a damper on their playoff hopes uh, in the East. Yeah, uh, the wild thing about this match is that. It wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. Uh, Red Bulls 2 was actually up 6-3 to three when David Abador got a red card and stoppage time leading to a penalty. And then Orlando put that penalty in and another goal to make it 6-5. But, you know, as far as looking at it from a playoff perspective, that is a really tough match for Orlando City. Puts them in ninth place now and they're running out of matches pretty quickly. I think there's only one left and that's a great match for new york red bulls because i think that solidifies a spot in the in the playoffs for them defending usl champs and yeah i mean i don't know what else to say because i haven't been following east coast too closely this year but six to five is always a fun result yep that it is games of importance in the west it was colorado springs keeping their playoff hopes alive with a one nothing win over Sacramento as a Kevon Freighter goal uh, in the 36th minute that gave Colorado Springs three huge points. And despite the loss, uh, Sacramento clinches a playoff spot. 
uh, with some other results that happened on Saturday. So uh, the defending uh, uh, the champions from a couple of years ago uh, uh, get into the playoffs in the back door, and obviously not the healthiest of ways to get into the playoffs by losing your last two. No. Uh, other results in the West, it was Tulsa 1, Seattle nothing. It was a uh, Tier Jung goal in the 14th minute um, for Tulsa. Uh, and Fernandez picked up a red card for Tulsa, so they were playing with 10 men for the entire second half and amazingly uh, did not allow a goal to Seattle. So uh, you know, hats off to Tulsa for getting a big three points there and uh, clinching a playoff spot themselves now. Uh and uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how that red card's going to affect uh, uh, Tulsa down the stretch if, if Fernandez is only going to get the one-game suspension or if he's going to pick up more, and it could cost him into the playoffs. You would, uh, you would not think that they would give him more than the game, but... Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Uh, the, big res- uh, the big result of the weekend for Phoenix Rising, obviously... San Antonio with a 1-1 draw against Tampa Bay. Uh, it was a Hrister goal in the 69th minute, followed by Guzman in the 88th uh, for San Antonio. That gets them a point, saves them still a top-four possibility. Uh, obviously, for Phoenix Rising fans, it's a good result because uh, two more draws or a draw and a loss in their final two matches – although their two matches are against Portland and RGV, uh, still keeps Phoenix Rising with the opportunity of a fourth-place finish. Obviously, them and uh, uh, Swope Park Rangers are the only two options left for Phoenix Rising to get to a top four. They cannot get to a top four with Reno because, obviously, they would lose uh, tiebreakers with Reno. So uh, a big result there for, for San Antonio getting the point. Uh, Salt and, Lake City. Very, Go ahead. A very important point for San Antonio too, because it keeps them in control of their own destiny for getting the second seed. Reno can win their last match, and it doesn't matter how much they win it by, because they would finish at sixty-one. Swope is only at fifty-five right now, so the most they can get to is sixty-one. They still have two matches left. But San Antonio, if they beat Portland Timbers two, and RGV at home. They're going to be the second seed in the West. That's what that means. And had they not gotten that point, things could be looking a lot different for them. Yeah, it could be looking quite differently for them. Uh, Salt Lake City gets a 1-1 draw with Vancouver. The interesting things out of this match, Salt Lake City wins the regular season championship, and if they were to go all the way, would, would be able to host the USL Cup championship at this point. Uh, it was Sebastian Velasquez's goal uh, early in the first half, and uh, unfortunately an own goal by Moberg that uh, got Vancouver back into the match. Uh, obviously another big red card in this match. Phillips for Salt Lake City picks up a red card, so and it was a straight red, so this will be interesting to see how the league rules on that call uh, with the final week coming up. Um, but you know Salt Lake City obviously getting the point they needed, Gets them the the uh, regular season title, and uh, uh, big props to Salt Lake City for the efforts that they've had this year. And then the other result, uh, the other two results for Saturday, Reno with a four one win over Orange County, which eliminates Orange County from contention for the playoffs. Uh, it was goals from 
Oakford, Weehan, Fernandez, and, and Mackenzie Pridham that got uh, Reno three points. Obviously, three points, huge for them, which will give them a top-four finish guaranteed. Uh, hopefully, you know, a two or a three seed, which would be nice so that Phoenix can kind of stay away from them, but you never know what's going to happen there. Um, but a, a great effort from Reno, and obviously great to see them you know, getting a top four finish this season. And and on the other side of things, that officially eliminates Orange County from playoff competition. It is now down to Oklahoma City and Colorado Springs for the last spot. That is correct. And the final result on Saturday, it was uh, LA Galaxy 3, t- uh, Timbers 2, uh, 2. It was goals by Ari Lasseter, Jack McMean, and... Uh, Pieris in the ninety fourth in the ninety fourth minute gets them three points. Obviously, not a big uh, game there as two of the bottom feeder teams uh, in the West playing there. Uh, games that are going on as we speak uh, here Sunday. Uh, Ottawa is playing FC Cincinnati, and interesting is Ottawa's up three nothing at the half as we're taping this. An interesting, interesting result for a team that's out of the playoffs versus a team that's that's fighting to keep their playoff uh, hopes alive. Uh, Cincinnati needing a you know needing some help here to to kind of hold them up in their in their standing, but it looks like they could be uh, uh, playing for for something important for their last game of the season. And then obviously the big game on Sunday that uh, all Phoenix Rising fans will be watching: Oklahoma City, Swill Park Rangers. Uh, you know, if you're a Phoenix Rising fan, you're hoping for for either an Oklahoma City win or you're hoping for a, a Swope Park Rangers draw out of this one that would keep the hopes alive to uh, to finishing top four. Um, I mean, obviously the way things are playing out right now, you know, if the season were to end today, we're looking at playing Swope Park Rangers in the first round. And, and guys, I kind of like that matchup. You know, we, we talked about it a number of times. Who would you rather see in that first round playoff? I think Swope's the best option. Yeah, I agree there. I hopefully um, hopefully things pan out in our favor and we can play Swope Park at home though. That would be even better. Yeah, it would be. It would be better. Yeah. So that's that's it for the uh, week twenty nine schedule for the uh, USL. We'll get into the standings at this point. Uh, Matt, you want to go through those real quick? Yeah. So uh, the Western Conference standings right now are uh, it's a little crazy heading into this this last week. Um, between second and fifth place, there's only a three-point difference. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, just run down this list and see where everybody stands. So Real Monarchs uh, holding holding firm there in first place with 64 points. Reno with the win is in second place with 58 points. San Antonio is in third place with 56 points. And then uh, fourth place is Swope Park Rangers with 55 points. Uh, Phoenix Rising is in fifth place with 55 points as well um, and a similar record. So uh, Swope Park is... Uh, is leading that based on the um, goal differential there. So um, another thing to, to mention for Phoenix Rising is they do have uh, currently the best form in all of USL. Um, that's kind of been the been the story for the past few weeks. So that's uh, definitely good for us. Um, and for Phoenix Rising to jump into fourth place um, to have a home field advantage during the playoffs, uh, as Jeff mentioned, we'd need Swope Park and um, San Antonio or San Antonio uh, to draw or lose their last two matches. Uh, so there's definitely some chances there. Um, things just have to line for us. So we'll see how things pan out the next week. 
Um, to round off the, the remaining of the top half of the table, Tulsa Roughnecks are in sixth place with 46 points, and seventh place is Sacramento Republic with 45th points, or excuse me, 45 points. And at the bottom of the top half is Oklahoma City, so uh, with 43 points. So one thing to mention here is that um, seeds one through seven here are secured. They've clinched playoff. Now the position within that um, still to be determined with the last few matches, but first through seventh place have already clinched playoff. Eighth place is still open. Uh, Colorado Switchbacks is in ninth with 41 points, so they they keep their hopes alive, and they have a chance to steal that from Oklahoma City. Tenth place is Orange County at 40 points, who are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And 11th place is Rio Grande Valley with 35 points. Seattle Sounders, two at 12th place with 31 points. Los Dos at 13th place with 29 points. Vancouver Whitecaps 2 at 14th place with 24 points. And Timbers 2 down at the bottom of the table with 15 points. Uh, just one other kind of interesting note is the bottom four of the Western Conference um, are all two teams. And um, as you you get out of that top eight, get out of that ninth, tenth position, the points just drop very, very quickly there. So um, very competitive top half of the table there. Um, we were discussing earlier if you compare the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, uh, you know just how how different how much different it is. So, for example, Phoenix Rising with 55 points is in fifth place um, in the Western Conference, and in the Eastern Conference that would put them in second place. Um, so, it just kind of shows you the Western Conference uh, pretty tight, a lot very competitive. Um, so, there's a lot of good things going on here. So, uh, Phoenix Rising has their last match. Uh, this coming Saturday, and uh, let's hope that uh, things work in our favor so we can get that home field advantage. You guys have any uh, other thoughts here about those current standings? I mean, it's just crazy looking at the standings, how five of the top teams in USL are all in the Western Conference. This is something that's almost unprecedented because Phoenix Rising will most likely finish with 58 points. You know, that's well over a point and a half per match and not host a game in these playoffs. The only team in the East that really is on par with the top five in the West would be Louisville City with 59 points. Their second place team is 51 points. And actually, that's probably closer to the norm than what we've seen this season. Because 2016 USL season, the West was won by Sacramento Republic with 52 points from 30 matches. We had 52 points from 30 matches. And we weren't even sniffing top four at that point. So, pretty crazy season. It's kind of unfortunate that we won't get to host a game because our form dictates that we would be a top three team in the conference most seasons. But, you know, maybe the struggles of the of the MLS two teams have helped inflate some point totals. But, you know, regardless of how that turns out, great season from Phoenix, but... It is a very interesting development. Will this happen in the future? I don't know. Yeah, it'll definitely it'll definitely be interesting as you, as we go forward. Um, you know, to piggyback off of your point there, Dominic. You know, obviously, you know the West is so much heavier this year than it than it has been in the past. Um, yeah, the two teams are obviously making a big difference because obviously, you know, six six of the uh, MLS two teams reside in the West. Only four of the MLS two teams reside in the East. So obviously it's a little bit more heavy on our end, but that's okay. 
but obviously you see the you know not not all two teams results are the same you're going to see what looks to be at least four MLS two teams and possibly a fifth depending on what happens with Orlando you know so obviously in some factors it's probably working out a little bit but in other factors it's not and is you know maybe MLS has an answer of how to figure that out hopefully they do at one point in time you know we'll see what happens but obviously the key to the to the standings this week is obviously watching this OKC Swope Park Rangers match if o- if Oklahoma City wins this match t- you know this afternoon as we tape Oklahoma City will clinch that eighth and final playoff spot today and we won't have anything to worry about except just seeding going into next week whereas if uh, OKC draws or loses uh, that opens the back door for Colorado Springs to get in uh, possibly on goal differential so we'll have to wait and see yeah definitely those are those are good some good observation guys um, so uh, with that being said I think we're going to go ahead and uh, move into our next section here and uh, discuss a little bit of uh, MLS expansion news uh, followed up by some uh, U.S. men's national team results over uh, from the match on Friday uh, Dominic, did you want to go ahead and take us into some discussions about the MLS expansion? Uh, sure thing. So there's been a lot more rumors in recent days and recent weeks since we're getting closer to the MLS decisions. Um, a large story earlier in this week came, I believe, on Tuesday. Or maybe, was it, was it, oh, okay, it was it was actually on Monday. Feels like a million years ago now, but on Monday, uh, the mayor of Nashville was about to give some more details on the Nashville stadium plan for MLS. There had been some rumors that they were moving towards the top of the list for MLS expansion and possibly sliding in to get a spot this season, which is pretty wild. Keep in mind they do have a billionaire that's backing their bid, and they have a stadium plan that actually would not cost taxpayers too much. Uh, which, you know, after seeing what had happened with them on their past two stadiums, I was pretty surprised. So things seem to be going well for Nashville. However, a guy by the name of Jeff Reuter, or Reader maybe, uh, he has a check next to his Twitter, so he's kind of a big deal. He writes for MLS, he writes for The Guardian, ESPN FC, 442 USA, so a guy that seemingly would be in the know, he tweeted out that Nashville, he said, breaking Nashville is going to MLS, will start play in 2019. As you can imagine, the internet exploded. He had to delete the tweet. He had to backtrack a little bit. And then he came out with this update. While my sources are confident, in quotations, Nashville will earn a spot, MLS is not making a final decision until December. Nothing official today. And then it was confirmed that they wouldn't make any decisions until around December 19th and 20th. And so, all I have to say is, why are you making a breaking news claim if you can't be 100% sure on that? Especially when it goes against what we've all been hearing throughout the process, which is that there aren't going to be any announcements until the season's over, most likely in December. I mean, it makes you wonder if this was a leak. It makes you wonder if this was, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the guy's not from Nashville. The writer is from St. Paul, Minnesota. 
So I don't know what the justification for that would be, but, you know, that kind of set the internet ablaze. That was the big story, and, you know, we got to get things very clear. No decisions are being made in the next two months. And, you know, what's interesting to me is when, you know, again, we're talking about public funding for a stadium. I struggle to find how MLS is okay with having a public financing arm to a stadium when you have a bid that's sitting right in front of you that does not take any public financing whatsoever. Um, And again, I, I talked to members of Phoenix rising management last night, you know, and again, the, the word is simple. You know, we are not using any public financing whatsoever, you know, and I believe them. I totally believe them. I, I think they've got their heads on straight, and I think they know what they need to do and what they want to do. Do they have the name like Nashville has that's backing them? No, not right now. Could they? Possibly. We don't know. Could they have enough people lined up to be at that level? Sure they could, you know. But I think, you know, one of the things that we keep going back to time and time again is you have a top 10 television market in Phoenix. It's staring you right in the face and you're not taking advantage of it. You have a huge Hispanic population that loves soccer in this state of Arizona and would definitely support an MLS team, I believe. You draw on that base. You draw on those types of people. We can sit here and, and all night long keep saying, you know, that, that this is the perfect place for MLS to be. Will they realize it? Hopefully. It'd be nice for them to see it. But, you know, I think I've seen enough times to know that I don't know necessarily that Phoenix would be the first two. I think Phoenix might be closer to the second two. Because I think if, if I were a betting man today, I would say Sacramento gets one for sure. Because I think they are the most ready. They've had their plan in place for well over a year and a half. And they have the track record of, of, of people being at games. And I think they have the track record of, of everything, I's, T's, everything for them. I think Sacramento is a number one. Does Nashville get that second bid? Who knows? And maybe they do now because, because of all this information. Maybe Phoenix is that team that slides into the two slot. Maybe it's Cincinnati that slides into that second spot. I, I think that second slot could be a little bit more hazier than I think the first choice of, of, of one of those two expansion teams. I, 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 I think if Sacramento does not get on this first two list, I would be totally shocked. Yeah, no, I agree there. Uh, one other thing I just want to kind of add to is the – you know, from MLS's perspective, you know, they would want a team that has an ownership group that can draw fans to the matches, can get people engaged. And there's not a better example that I'm aware of than a Phoenix Rising's uh, ownership group, uh, both on and off the field. The Just what they've done this past year is remarkable. I mean, what last year they were averaging around, you know, I don't know, 1,500 um, tickets per, per match. You know, and with the exception of Wednesday night matches this season, they've pretty much been 
uh, sold out every match, 6,000 plus, 5,500 plus. Uh, so, I mean, that's a remarkable turnaround. And look at how the team itself turned around performance-wise from last season to this season, being in fifth place, potentially even to the top fourth by the end of next week. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, that's one thing that hopefully MLS has taken into big account is, you know, how the ownership group makes actions and, you know, gets results and will ultimately lead to more um, MLS fans of Phoenix rising, hopefully. So that, that was just kind of my comments I wanted to add is that, yeah, the ownership group. And, you know, the other thing, too, is we talked about the having somebody backing them with, with the money. Um, the, the ownership group of Phoenix Rising is a very diverse and very um, um, interesting group. I mean, they have a lot of famous people, a lot of, a lot of big names that everybody knows. So you, you got to imagine that uh, probably is helping us out as well with that situation. So. But I think that's gonna kind of do it for our MLS talk, well, um, unless Dominic. If, if no, you sorry. don't, if you don't mind, yeah, uh, I just want to maybe maybe come back with. Look, we all know that the Phoenix ownership group is great. We all know that they are going to come up with an awesome plan in a fantastic location that's not going to require public money. The reason that we're kind of playing from behind here is that you have a group like Nashville that has been very loudly open in the public, that is getting articles from USA Today, from ESPN FC, loudly broadcast all over the place so that everyone knows what their plan is. Everyone already knows that they're going to try to build on fairgrounds. And people may disagree about the details of the plan, uh, whether the debt that's going to be incurred here is going to be paid off by the ownership group or by taxpayers, but, I mean, it just depends on how the issue is framed. Uh, some stadium supporters are trying to say, look, 90% of it is funded either by the ownership group or revenue generated by the stadium. Um, others are saying, look, this is just a bond issuance, and the city's going to have to still pay a large share of this debt that's going to result from the stadium. But the fact is, Everything's already out there. And maybe in a month, everything will be out there for us. But right now, the ownership group is still trying to come up with the best plan so that when we do make that big PR release, it's going to be very clear. And if, if, we're, if we're serious about getting it in the first two teams, we don't want to get out there too soon without all the details in place, without all the T's crossed and the I's dotted. So we still have time. We still have time to decide, do we want to stay where we're at? Do we want to potentially build somewhere else if there's a great deal that arises? And I think they should take that time and make sure that when we come out with official renderings and an official partner, that we are good to go. It's just, it's just that it's just, uh, it's tough on a national perspective because some other places have been louder in the public about their desires for MLS and getting official-looking pictures and an exact location set, and we aren't there just yet. But I don't, I don't think we should rush into anything. Yeah, I, I agree there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's an old phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, hopefully that's not the case. You know, hopefully these teams like Nashville and stuff that are – 
screaming and you know po- like you're saying posting all these these photos and all this hopefully that you know mls is looking for one that's a, a complete bid that has a solid plan rather than one that makes the most noise currently right so um yeah very very good uh good thoughts there dominic so with that being said we're going to go ahead and get into the u.s men's national team um results from friday um all I can say is Christian Pulisic. He's he's the man. Uh, he's he's he was doing. He did great. The, I mean, the whole team the team looked great on Friday. Uh, Josie Altador got two goals. Uh, Christian Pulisic got a goal, and I believe Bobby Wood got the last goal. And Bobby Wood had a phenomenal game too. Um, so just all around, that that was really positive to see. Uh, kind of gives us a little bit more breathing room for the World Cup qualifying. Um, so currently USA is sitting in third place with 12 points. Uh, Panama is right, right here on our heels with 10 points with uh, one more coming up. So there's a few ways that this can kind of shake out for, for USA here. I mean, obviously the, the most uh, direct route would be a win against uh, Trinidad, um, which is, um, I can't, I don't see the date here. I, I know it's coming up soon. It's going to be on Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, the the easiest way for USA to qualify would be to get three points there against Trinidad at Trinidad. Um, a couple other scenarios would be a USA draw at Trinidad with a Honduras and Panama um, not making up a goal differential in wins versus Mexico and Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Um, or the third option is a US loss at Trinidad and Tobago along with a Honduras and pa- uh, Panama both drawing or losing versus Mexico and Costa Rica. So um, some pretty good chances for USA, but uh, it's not over yet. So um, what were your guys' thoughts on the match, and what do you think about USA's chance of uh, qualifying for the World Cup just by the skin of their teeth there here, you know? Yeah, obviously a big result on Friday night, and an even bigger result, you know, yesterday with uh, with – the, with the draw that happened with Costa Rica and Honduras. I mean, that was, that was a huge result for the Americans that helped out as well. Uh, you know, it basically gives the Americans carte blanche to say a draw and you're in, you know? So, cause there's, there's no way Panama is making up a minus seven goal differential. And there's no way that, that Honduras is making up a, I believe it's a minus 12 or a minus 13 differential to the United States. So, you know, I, I, I think it, it gives the United States carte blanche to just do whatever they want on Tuesday, uh, in, in Trinidad. I mean, I would not be surprised if you see, you know, him running out a decent lineup, but I, you know, at this point, you really don't have to worry about yellow cards. I mean, cause you, you you're not, you know, you're not having to save anybody for suspensions. So, you know, Michael Bradley doesn't have to worry about things. And and and, and players like, you know, uh, I, I believe Graham Zuzzi was on one. And I think uh, Acosta was on one. And, you know, a couple others were on a yellow card. So, I mean, you know, we don't have to worry about that at this point. But let's just run out a decent 11 on Tuesday. Pl- my guess is, is I would play for an early goal, but if you don't get an early goal, then you sit back and you play defense and you hold for 90 minutes, and I think you should be okay. I don't think Trinidad's going to necessarily run you all over the place. But the one thing that I was scared about Friday that I was pleasantly surprised with was the central defense because I was really worried about how the central defense would play. Uh, you know, I 
was surprised Jeff Cameron wasn't in the starting lineup, but you know, Omar Gonzalez in his place did a, did a real good job. Um, hopefully we'll see Cameron on Tuesday in Trinidad, but if not, you know, I, I, I think we can be a little bit more confident with those guys in the back and I think we'll be okay. So, but like you said, Christian Pulisic, uh, what can you say about this kid? He's 19 years old and he's going to, he's the future of us soccer right now. I mean, it, you know, it was spelled out clear and simple, you know, on Friday night, if Clint, if Clint Dempsey wants a spot on this U S roster going into the world cup, he's going to have to come off the bench. And that's, maybe that's tough for him to swallow, but I don't know. You, you, you can't leave Pulisic on the bench anymore. I don't think. Oh no, definitely not. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's always good when it's, when it's competitive between the players for a spot on the roster. Right. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's better than having the opposite of that. But uh, just to also let the listeners know, just some context here for Trinidad and Tobago. They are at the bottom of the of the hex here with uh, one win, eight losses, zero draws, negative uh, 13 goal differential. Uh, so not the strongest team. Um, but let's see how, the, how it pans out for us on Tuesday. Um, I'm thinking that's looking pretty good for USA's, uh, you know, chances here. So. Dominic, did you have anything to add here? Yeah, just a couple small thoughts. I mean, Trinidad and Tobago is not a team we can overlook because they did beat Panama at home, and they were leading Mexico with 15 minutes left on on Friday evening before Mexico scored three towards the end to get the win there. But, uh, you know, still things are looking pretty good for the U.S., and uh, as Jeff mentioned, two big draw for Costa Rica against Honduras. With the goal differential the way it is, all we really need to do is get a draw, and barring something extremely miraculous in one of the other two matches, we're going to be in even on 13 points in the top three. So, things are looking very good, and again, Honduras has to play Mexico at home in that last match. Panama has to play, I believe, Costa Rica? Yep, that's Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and they get Costa Rica at home for that match. So that's a chance for them to get to 13, but yeah, the the way it's looking, we're in a great spot. And then just one last thing about that Pulisic goal. I don't think we've had a player that could score a goal like that before. I don't even think Donovan could get that kind of a first touch where it's so controlled and then have the presence of mind to round the keeper and score it from the tight angle. Donovan was a great finisher, Donovan had some creative abilities. I don't think he had the ability to make that kind of a touch, though. And that is what was so spectacular um, about that goal. And it really set the tone because it was so early. You know, if we stay nil-nil for 20, 30 minutes, maybe the guys start pressing a little more. But by getting that first goal, it set everything up. And, you know, from there we were able to cruise. Yeah, it's... uh... Funny that you mentioned Landon Donovan because he also had a, an endorsement for Pulisic on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw that Pulisic for president, <laughs> but uh, we're still about uh, what tw- thirty years out from that being a possibility. So, uh, <laughs> but he he is our man, and uh, he's he's definitely uh, brings a whole new level of energy to the U.S. men's team and gives a lot of us some hope. I think too, you know, for not only for for this round but for future years as well. So. Um, just overall good results and, uh, yep. Hope to see, uh, hope to see a good outcome on Tuesday. 
get into our final thoughts first. Um, Jeff, do you want to go ahead and lead us off with your final thoughts? Yeah, I'll go ahead and lead us off. Uh, you know, what, what an effort from the boys and, and what, you know, what great things to hear from these guys after the game on Saturday, especially to hear so much about the words healthy competition. I, we've never been able to say this in the past that you can count on uh, 23, 24 guys on this roster and you can plug in any 18 that you wish any way, shape or how, uh, you know, you, you couldn't have said that the last two or three years with the way the roster was set up, but with what, they did at the beginning, getting Omar Bravo in here, getting Sean Wright Phillips in here, getting uh, Didier Drogba in here, you know, and then and then to lose guys on injury as the way they had, you know, you lost Luke Rooney at the beginning of the season, you lost Alessandro Rigi for for six eight weeks, you lost Chris Cortez for four to six weeks. Any other year, if we'd have lost those three guys, we'd have been staring at thirteenth, fourteenth, fifteenth in the table. Credit to the organization, credit to Patrice Carterone, credit to the players for digging deep and creating such healthy competition amongst everybody to have such a strong roster as we do heading into this final game of the season and then into the playoffs. A lot of people I talked around to last night, this is the most dangerous team in the league right now. Nobody wants to play us. And I believe that that's the truth around this league. Uh, I think that was very well said. I don't know, I don't know how much I have to add to that, other than uh, I guess my takeaway was just how fun was that Wednesday night game. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys saw that. I know it was a week night, but uh, one of one of the great games, uh, and it was so nice to see all the people that did make it out there. We got over fifty five hundred for a Wednesday night and that I think goes to it's a tribute to our fans for how strong they've been all season um you know a tribute to what Drogba can do and the kind of excitement he brings but that's gonna be a match that sticks with me for a long long time just because of the ups and downs it was really a throwback to one of our early season matches where we're hanging on for we'll fall behind early rally and then hang on for dear life at the end. But, uh, I, yeah, Jeff, you covered everything so well. All I can really add is that was a fantastic uh, night, a fantastic match. And, you know, maybe they should do those $1 beer nights uh, <laughs> on weeknights more often. My friend and I were talking about that the other day. Uh, they did run out of beer at halftime, though. So I don't know. If they do that again, they might need to stock up a little more. Yeah, that did work out in the in some of the fans' favor because when they re uh, came back with some more beer, they were selling sixteen ounce beers for a dollar instead of twelve ounces. So he had to wait a little bit, but there was a little little payoff there. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get into my final thoughts real quick, and uh, much like Dominic said, I you know Jeff covered it very well, so I don't have a whole lot to add, but I do just want to say that you know. F- one thing I want to mention is that if you take a step back and take a look at this season as a whole it's remarkable how big of a change we've had from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Um, you know, I think if anybody would have told us that, you know, after the first few matches that, Hey, we're going to end up in fifth, possibly fourth place with 55 to 58 points. You would have been like, ah, no way. I, I don't, you know, I don't see that. Um, so 
that just goes to show how big of an impact uh, some of the signings have been uh, and Patrice Carterone. I mean, he, he's transformed this team and they are so much fun to watch now. I, I thoroughly enjoy watching every second of every match. Um, just a lot of energy. And a lot of that has to do with my next topic, uh, Jason Johnson. Um, that guy, I mean, he's like we talked about him earlier, so I don't want to go into it too much. It's just how how much he's improved and you know, chances are he's probably going to move on to bigger and better things, and uh, we can only hope that he does somehow remain with Phoenix, whether he goes on loan or he, you know, M- MLS decides to give Phoenix the bid and he sticks with us until that comes to, to fruition. Um, but just kind of wanted to let you guys know that Jason Johnson is currently sixth place in USL of uh, goals scored, um, and if you look at just the Western Conference, he's in fourth place. So. You know he's he's made a lot of improvement uh, towards the end of the season, and he's just he's been on fire lately. And one other interesting note here is that if you also look at the stats for um, leaders for number of shots, uh, Jason Johnson's not even on that that list, that top table. So to me, that kind of just shows you how efficient he is with his shots. Um, he's not wasting opportunities for the most part. Um, so just overall, I mean, there's no other way to describe it other than that. They are just firing on all cylinders. Every team, every every player of the team, every coach. Um, so things things are looking good, uh, looking really strong heading into uh, the playoffs. So um, that's going to do it for my final thoughts. Um, and this is going to wrap up this week's episode of Rising as One podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, please remember, if you have time, check us out on iTunes. Leave us some feedback, some suggestions. We we definitely appreciate any feedback we can get from our fans. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see how this next week turns out for us. And go rising, go rising, go rising. Go rising.